Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. I want to start there, see where we end up. Kind of had this stalled all week. Um, really increased yesterday. Uh, how many watched? Uh, how many's been watching the call? Any? Raise your hand. My God. I told. I called Matt. I had to. I was sitting here at the house yesterday. Well, we had just pulled back up about three o'clock, and I had got a call, and I had to go out to work. I had to go all the way to St. Simon's, and I called Matt on the phone. On the way home, there was enough of God in my truck. I said, I think I'm going to pull a pine tree up and lay it across Corridor Z out there. I mean, it was, that, was, that was a strong anointing coming out of that. If you, ain't call, if you haven't been able to catch any of that, you can watch it live. Just go to the call website, or I think it's on Facebook Live, or you got Direct TV. It's on Channel 365. But, I mean, it's just amazing intercession. And, uh, and just if you... Uh, which Amanda probably has heard that story a hundred times. If you get a chance to see the story of Will Ford and Matt Lockett, you, you'll be amazed at, I'm just telling you, it's probably one of the most profound things I've ever heard and uh, how God is setting up things in the earth. <clears throat> and so uh, God's on the move. And um, and so it just gives you great hope to see that and uh, just see the people that, you know, they were they're in Cleveland, Ohio, at um, the Cavaliers at the queue at their stadium, and to see that stadium full of people, man, going after God is just amazing, and others uh, willing to fast and pray. So this morning, I want to talk about something that's been in my heart. I actually tried to look for some letters yesterday or some things that I had written maybe some close to 10 years ago, and uh, and for one, we just couldn't find one of the articles that I had written to show you that what I'm going to preach about today has been in my heart for probably the last, I would say, really strong the last 12 years. But I want to talk about the transformation of cities this morning. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 62 and um, in verse, uh, in verse uh, 1. It says, For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. Let's look at that again. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. Now let's look at verse 10. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway, take out the stones, lift up the banner for the peoples. Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world, say to the daughter of Zion, surely your salvation is coming. And behold, his reward is with him and his work uh, before him. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called, sought out, a city not forsaken." Now, I believe that it is our job here on the earth. All of us have a job to do. We could have been born in any time. We could have been born when Finney was here, Wigglesworth, but God chose to place us here. Do you believe that? And so that parable of the, of the sower, <clears throat> you and I have been like seed sown from the Father's hand, and we have been placed into uh, this, this city. 
You believe that? We've been placed here. This is the place we call home and to call life. And it's our job to call this city uh, in a place of intercession to call it to its destiny. Now, we're not here to ride out. Come on, somebody. you got to help me now. We're not here to ride out a pew. We're not here to put our name on the church attendance and wait on till the Lord calls us home. We're here to bring influence and change in our sphere of authority. God has given every person in this room a sphere, a ruling place of authority. It may be the classroom, come on. It may be your cubicle at work. It may be that you're a nurse. It may be that you're a businessman. But God has given us a sphere and he expects us. There's a mandate on our life to bring change and influence wherever he has placed us. Now, if we have that vision, we realize that we're here at church this morning, not just to hear another message preached, but we're here to be equipped with the gospel, the tools needed to walk out the doors doors of this church to bring about change. Jesus said we are salt, and salt brings flavor. Come on, somebody. Your life brings flavor to the environment in which you're cast to. We used to pray these prayers like, you know, God, I want a Christian job. You don't need a Christian job. You need to be on a job with a bunch of sailors cussing, what, to bring a difference. All right. So I'm really going to talk out of my heart and uh, preach a little bit, but I'm going to talk out of my heart. This whole idea of, um, you know, Catherine and I have been talking a lot the last two weeks. We were talking about the things that are in us and where we inherited them from. And, you know, that God just puts you in the right environment to get you to the place that you're supposed to. I heard this statement. I said this. Uh, you know, that how many's always heard that God's got a plan for your life? That is true, but it's not always true. God has many plans for your life, but he's got a purpose. And the purpose is what he's connected to. God wants you to get in your purpose. Listen, David's purpose was to be king, right? Come on, somebody. His purpose was to be king, but the plan at the moment was just to play a harp. The harp was nothing but a tool to get him inside the palace to get him noticed. Come on now. So when we think about that, the job that we have that seems meaningless, God's got a purpose in that. God doesn't waste anything. He's connected to the journey and the purpose. So I was thinking about this thing, and I remember when, when, when Catherine and I, when we, when, we left, uh, uh, when we left the ministry we were at in Jessup, that God had, we felt like God had called us to go back to my hometown uh, and, and to plant a church. And that was exciting, but it was also scary. How many knows that you'd be scared this morning if we was laying hands on you and sending you out, come on, to go plant a church? Because I, I knew that the first Sunday my friends were going to be there, my family was going to be there. But I can tell you this, after about three weeks, friends and family, was gone and we were standing there preaching and proclaiming and having to believe God and so I don't recommend it to nobody but if God's called you it's the safest place come on now and so whatever he calls you to do he'll he'll provide he'll provide for you uh and and he'll qualify you to do whatever whatever he's got you doing and so but I remember when we got there that I had developed such a heart which I was born and raised there but how many knows when you're born and raised somewhere that is your hometown but I had lived all for a while and so that when I got back, that um, 
But God had begun to grip me. And I remember there would be times when I, I, I worked for the telephone company. And so uh, there would be times that God would just grip me so strong that I couldn't do nothing but weep over my city. I believe as, not, now this is not, going. what I am going to try to do is influence your vision this morning. I believe that's the task that God has me. That we as a church in this community has got to see beyond the four walls of our church. We've got to see, we've got to see the big picture. The small picture is we're gathering here in Sparks in this little bit of cotton field. Come on, somebody. But the big picture is that God wants to impact our community. He wants to bring influence. He wants to bring change. He wants to bring visionaries into this city. Come on, somebody. Do you believe that that can change the total landscape of our community? And so... A lot of people say, well, Lord, John, we can't, you know, we're we just trying to believe God for our church. we got to believe God beyond our church. we got to believe God beyond this church. we got to start believing for a whole city coming to God. Now, look at this. I want, I want you to read this. Go over, flip right over. We're still in the book of Isaiah, the chapter 66. In verse 8, it says this. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut the womb, says your God? Listen, how many believe what he said can a nation can a nation, we're not talking about a city now, come on now, we're talking about a literal nation. Can a nation come to God in one day? Now, we've seen this on September the 11th, 2001, but I don't believe God desires tragedy to get us to come to him. Come on, somebody. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. What we've got to do is raise the bar of our belief. It doesn't take faith to believe that America's going to get worse. Come on, somebody. It doesn't take faith to believe that some say, well, California's just going to break off in the ocean. i got a problem with that. If God couldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah till Lot and Abraham got out of the city, come on, somebody. You think he's going to drown Jack Hayford? Bill Johnson, Chahan, and every other work that God's doing in California. Come on, somebody. It does take faith to believe that God's going to visit this nation again. It does take faith to believe that God is going to come to Washington, D.C. and somehow straighten out all the mess that we've got in. It does take faith to believe that Roe v. versus Wade will come down. It does take faith for, mass, for that massive revival. And God said the just shall live by Faith. I'm hollering and preaching. So it does take a lot of faith to believe this. And here's the thing. We contend for it. I'm preaching for myself. We contend for it. But how many knows this? When Peter was released out of prison, the scripture says he was released from four things, right? Four, uh, four areas in the prison. And then it says the last thing he was delivered from was the expectation of the people. That'll preach right there. Come on, somebody. You ain't never going to worship till you get delivered from the expectation of the people. You worried about, well, what if they think about if I'm running around? Listen, who cares what they think? The one we trying to impress is God. Come on, somebody. When it's all said and done, and you ain't going to be standing in line when you stand before him and worry what somebody else is thinking. We're going to look into his eyes, and all we want to hear is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then it says that he, he, that he was led to the iron gate of the city. Most of the time when it starts becoming, when you talk about cities, 
that gate's made iron. It gets tough. When you start crying out for unity in communities, that's another iron gate. But if you and I can't get one in this building who is supposed to be family, how are we ever going to get one outside the building? So can a nation come to God in a day? Now this is on the city of Adel's website. That our city, before it was called Adel, was called Puddleville. And it was known as Puddleville because of the low-lying areas that when it would rain, it would flood and it would cause puddles. Every, the, the, right the time I came here, but uh, even when I came to preach one time and I started studying because I started like to look at cities, you know, where, where we're going. Because I believe as an intercessor, one of our jobs to do is to pray to see God what He intended this place to become. About four people believe that. My job as an intercessor, history belongs to those that pray. You believe that? It is shaped by the prayer of the church, the lack of or the intensity of. And James says the prayer of the righteous what? Availeth much. I love what um, Leonard Ravenhill said. He said a sinning man will stop praying, but a praying man will stop sinning. All right. So it's, it's called Puddleville. Puddleville, to me... This is the number one thing I think about. When I, when I read that statement, I think as a leader, God, I want to get my church real low in humility. Because when the rain comes, it always goes to the lowest place. How many believe that God destined us to have puddles of glory in this city? About four people. That's all right. Well, that's why we got to preach it. We got to plow into it, Miss Maydean, don't we? Come on, somebody. Listen, and then according to the, to the website and according to what's on Google, that there was a man that was a postmaster who saw the name Philadelphia on a croaker sack. It is the only church in Revelation that did not get a rebuke, right? Am I in the word, Junior? It didn't get a rebuke, but he, but he pulled the letters out of Philadelphia and come up with Adel, which is called the city of brotherly love. What should be on the heart of the intercessors to pray in this city? God, that we would truly be a city of brotherly love. That we would love one another as you have loved the church. Come on, somebody. That there would be a cry of unity. Unity is so important. As Psalms 133 says, God says, I'll command the blessing. We don't have to ask him to bless us when we're in unity. He says, I'll command the blessing on that. So one of our jobs is to call this city in prayer. God, we pray that the city of Adel would rise as the church of Philadelphia and that God, we would be a city of love. We'd be a city of brotherly love that the racial barriers would come down. Come on, somebody. We've already broken that as a church, but we still got a ways to go. So let's look at this. Go to the book of Jeremiah. I'm gonna look at some scripture. Y'all all right? I took last Sunday off, so I got to get. So I got to preach two messages all in one. Jeremiah twenty nine verse seven. Look at this. It says, "Seek the peace of the city, and where I've caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it." Look at this. For in its peace, you will have peace. How many? How many want to see commerce come? Y'all, please help me in this room right here. I'm telling you, I'm fitting to go to church down the street and start preaching. I mean, my gosh, we look like, I'm telling you, if we was in an all-out war, which we are, we, you know, we would, me and Junior will be preaching funerals for the next three weeks. That's how lethargic this church is. 
We sat down halfway through worship because we can't even stand. And overseas, they walked two days just to be able to worship the Lord in freedom. This is where we at. If you watched the call last night, you'd hear Matt Lockett tells a story where what did he say that if we wouldn't deal with the if we wouldn't deal with the issues in our courts, that God said you'd do it in I'll do it in my courts. And he took him to what the Appomattox courthouse. That's where the Civil War ended. And 600 and however many thousand people lost their life. God said, if we won't deal with the issues in prayer, i tell you what he's going to do for us. He's going to bring the terrorists over here to help us deal with it in our streets. We get revival through two ways. Devastation or desperation. When we don't choose desperation, he'll bring us devastation, friend. You got your head in the sand if you don't think we need a move of God. You got your head in the sand, Dad, if you don't think we better rise up in our homes and make a difference. Come on, something. I'm talking to the men. That's why Joel said, wake up the mighty men. Come on. Dads need to be shaken right now under the power of God. Come on. Teenager, I'm talking to you right now. You need to be shaken under the power of God. If you think we've seen the last school shooting in this land, you got your head in the sand, friend. We have got to cry out for God. Move in our cities and communities. God, shake the pulpit in America and help us rise up to the place that we're called to be. Now he said, pray for the peace of your city and pray for the prosperity of your city for in its prosperity, you will have prosperity. You know what that's saying? That's saying when Ken Baldry is walking in the blessing of God knee deep, his employees are walking in it. That says when God is blowing the socks off of Terry, his men's getting the socks blowed off. That means when Steve and Jesse's building out both ends, got money dripping off their fingers, their men's got money dripping off their fingers. This is what he said. Pray for the blessing of your community. God bless the hospital in this city. We don't need to, We need an emergency room. We need a trauma unit. Why can't it happen? Why can't it be here? It takes people a vision to pray and intercede. You start preaching this, you have to plow. I wrote this letter to our community called Alma the Great. I wish I could find that article. Maybe I have, I've seen it. I've seen it floating around. I've even seen it here, but I can't locate it. I couldn't. I looked for that thing until in the wee hours last night. Where I was prophesying over our community. I'm not here, and we're not here to make Cornerstone some great church in this community. We're here to invite the king and his kingdom to come. Come on, somebody. If we'll do that in that, he'll make the church great. All right. So when we start talking about whole city transformation, what has to happen is is our eyes have to shift. And and how many knows this? You you, You get different glasses on from whoever you're gleaning from, right? If you're gleaning from Andrew Womack, you're going to have the lens of grace. He will show you the Joseph Prince. Come on, somebody. I mean, you're listening to him. He going, you listen to Joel Osteen, you're going to have the lens of joy. You're just going to feel good. I used to listen to Damon Thompson for one message and then Joel Osteen about four. Try to feel like I was going to make it. Damon said, cut your, heart, your hands off, your feet off, and your neck. Lay on the altar and burn. I had to listen to Joe. Believe I'm going to make it. <clears throat> now, because the focus and because we, as, as I'm talking about as the American church, now let me just bring it down that, especially in South Georgia because we in the Bible Belt. Boy, it gets tough in the Bible Belt. That we've not, 
we've not heard of other gifts. I mean, let's just be honest. Ten years, let's just say go back further than that. Let's go to the early 90s. You didn't hear nobody talking about no prophets. You didn't hear nobody talking about apostles and these other. We, we, anybody that preached, he was called reverend or brother or minister or pastor. Don't matter what his gift was. How many knows that there's men that are standing behind the church, behind the pulpits in our church that is called pastor, but that's not some of their primary functions. Some of them are evangelists, but they got the title called pastor. Some are prophetic people, but got the title of a pastor. Some are apostolic. All these. Listen, so what I want to I want to just I want to go into this right here. Go to Luke chapter 19. Go to Luke chapter 19. Now our job is, is when we hear the word, we got to start lining up with it. We got to start praying into it and lining up with it. And just like you take, just like this, just to show you uh, uh, about prophets, the whole, the whole reason why uh, Lou Engel, when he, with the, with the call and them going to, uh, uh, them going to Cleveland, Ohio, after the you remember the last one was the Azusa, and no, that wasn't the last one, was it? It was. Uh, and um, and so they, they they went to Cleveland in 2005. I want to show you this. In 2005, Bob Jones had a dream of it was called uh, the Revival Man, or you can Google it as Gulliver's Prophecy. And what he saw was this giant called the Revival Man laying down. And he, he, he was laying down and being held down by little people, little thoughts, little ideas, all this different stuff. But he, he saw him and he saw that his head was in, uh, help me out, right, his head was in Cleveland. His, his heart was in Columbus. His reproductive organs were in Cincinnati. He had one hand in Indianapolis, I believe it was, and one hand in, in um um, Indianapolis, one hand was in where? Philadelphia. And then one hand, and then one foot was in Charlotte, and one foot was in Nashville. And as the head rose up, this revival man stood erect on his feet, and his feet was standing in Atlanta. And as his feet stood in Atlanta, Bob said he saw the whole South swept up in revival. And so they went on this prophecy to Cleveland to believe that God would, would awaken the head of this revival man in Cleveland. Now think about this. Bob Jones released this prophecy and, and, and there was one guy that was reading what the, the Cavaliers. Now this, this, these people ain't got a clue who Bob Jones is. I mean, they know who LeBron James is. That's their star out there on the field. And so... Um, they, they start creating these slogans to go on the back of these jerseys. Rise up. We believe. Prodigal. Forgiven. All these different slogans and they're prophesying in that Colosseum before the church ever gets there. Come on somebody. To call for this revival man to stand up. 
And now listen, I'm going I'm to get on this right here just for a second. I mean, I was doing it. Regardless, of, listen, I don't give a rip if you're Republican or Democrat. It don't make no difference to me. I vote on ideologies and what they stand for. But I can tell you this, I can tell you this, nobody, I don't care how mad the church gets, I don't care who goes to the polls and don't, nobody's going to the White House unless God allows it. Can we establish that in this room? According to Romans chapter 13, no man is allowed into authority unless he be allowed by God. And God appoints those who he sets up. And can I tell you this, that all of that mess is playing right into the hands of God. God is not dumb. In his infinite wisdom, he's using people to align the church. And so the whole deal, I ain't going to preach with if you didn't watch it, but the whole deal yesterday was on racism. So what happens, God allows a man, a black man, to get into the highest office of the land to expose a root that is still here in this nation that is preventing us of becoming one. Now God brings an outsider, some wild man, and throws him right in the middle of that political system to stop the gears from turning, to give the church three years of intercession and say, God, forgive us and help us get in line. God, help me, Jesus. To see entire cities swept. The issue, I can promise you, to stop the shootings in Chicago ain't found in Washington, D.C. They found in the highest court in the land, and that is Jehovah God. Come on, somebody. We've got to start interceding and praying, and God, please. I'll tell you what we need. We need another Dr. Martin Luther King to rise up under the anointing and power of God. And what we got to quit is becoming a black church, a red church, a purple church, an Asian church, and start being the church that is bought with one blood, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, and unify and quit allowing this spirit to divide us. Divided house cannot stand, and it cannot win. Now, Luke 19, you there? I feel the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you right now. Luke 19, verse 41, and as he drew near, he saw the city and he began to weep weep over it. Listen, the apostolic, the apostolic call and the prophetic gifting, the apostolic and the prophetic puts eyes for the church to see and, and, and the heart of cultural transformation starts entering into it. Now, I'm going to try to help, help identify this. I know this, that I spent, I, me and Stanton was Thursday night at the IHOP to close it down and ask us to leave. But I, all I know is while we were talking about God must have liked it because he was about to blow us out of that booth. And we were talking about the apostolic. Listen, I think don't get caught up on the title. Just because you got something printed on the card, that don't mean who you are, friends. Come on, somebody. Right. It's not about what's written on the card. It's, what, it's what's written on your heart. And so, help me, Jesus. He starts approaching the city. Now, when Jesus got there, I I don't believe he was looking to see if they had a Motel 6 or if they had a Ritz. He started seeing the condition of the city. He saw where they were at, and he began to weep because they did not recognize the time of their visitation. Now, I do believe this. There are times and seasons of the Lord. Do you believe that? 
There is times that we're to put, we're supposed to press in and push it on through. Come on, somebody. There's times that we're supposed to set back and we're supposed to be feasting, but we don't want to be feasting when we're in a season of fasting. Hey, we don't want to be fasting when we're in a season of feasting. But I know this, we're in a season where we got to get out to bed, church. Come on. I'm also, one of my gifting is a provoker. I make you mad. I even make my wife mad sometimes. It's hard to believe, but it can happen. So he sees the city. One of my struggles is because of the gifting I function with is I'm amazed at how other leaders don't see our community. They see their church. That frustrates me. I'm not going to lie. When Jesus, we, we are one church in the city of in Cook County. There's one church. But it has many members. Each has its own individuality and own uniqueness and own purpose. But we're one church. And what God has us here is not to grow this thing called the machine or the church or the business. We're just here to grow it. Well, if we can just get another $2,000 a month in tithes, that's going to be nice. It will be. Take some pressure off. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is if we don't bring cultural transformation to this city, when we stand before God, we have failed. You believe what I'm talking about? If we don't bring... If we don't bring salt and light, and here's where we've made a mistake. And when the apostolic began, we thought that God wants to take everything over. We thought we would sit down here like soldiers that we're going to take it all over and we're going to run it all. Probably the worst thing that can happen for, to the city is that the church in its current condition gets hold of the range down here to some of the largest business. If God, help me right here. I feel the Holy Ghost on the headbutt something. You take, God, help me right here. The way some Christian handles their finances, hello, and you put them in charge of a corporation, there's a lot of people going to be broke in a couple of weeks. Come on, somebody. But what we do need is the Holy Ghost to come. The same Holy Ghost that gives me revelation or gave Jesus revelation is the same Holy Ghost that gave Samson strength. Come on, somebody. And so what happens is, is now, now we realize that God don't want us to have control. He wants us to have influence. If I can just get a relationship with you enough to influence you and the salt that's on my life starts getting on your life and the gift of revelation that's on me and the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of knowledge gets on you and you begin to see things different and then you begin to look different at your employees. Hey, these are not my slaves. These are people that God has entrusted into my care and if God blesses me, he's blessed me to raise them up to another level of prosperity. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. We want to bring influence. My God. See, I told Stanton this one thing to meet the Apostle Paul who wrote 13 books of the New Testament, but it's another thing to meet Barnabas because he's the one that trained and influenced the Apostle Paul. But there ain't much written on Barnabas. He was one in the background just bringing influence and bringing change and bringing cultural transformation. So, 
this word apostolic ain't got a hill of beans to do about church planting. We thought it was about planting churches. Are you crazy? There's people that ain't apostolic elite that can plant churches better than we could as apostolic church. Apostolic is about an authority given from heaven to impact culture and to change the mindset of the culture. Oh, I feel God. I'm wore out too. I got to lose some weight. So what are you doing? I'm catching my breath. I'm fitting to holler some more. Y'all right? So what is this thing? What is this apostolic gift? Now see, in John, can I just preach out of my heart right here? Can we just travel right here? I can do it fast. You trust that I'm in the book, okay? In John chapter 5, it says that Jesus came to the house of Bethesda having five porticos in the King James Five porticos that lay a great number of sick folk waiting for the stirring of the water for whoever was the first one in the water was healed of whatever disease he had. Jesus came there. There was a man laying there who had laid there for 38 years. Jesus asked him, he said, do you want to be holy? He said, well, I have no one to put me in the water for every time the water gets stirred, somebody else jumps in ahead of me. And Jesus said, do you want to be made holy? He said, yes, he said, take up thy bed and walk. Now, Bethesda means house of grace or house of outpouring. And there has been many, there has been a lot of outpouring. But I'm telling you, the Brownsville and the Toronto and all of that is to lead us up where the Lord is fully invading his church. Man, I, I, I wish I could take you through the years of history since the 1500s. And we still got a lot of the church saying, well, you know, the Bible says in the last days there's going to be great, great falling away. I want to tell you that the great falling away has already happened. It's called the dark ages. Amen. See, we get in, I get out here on these limbs, June. People start getting, you don't know that. <laughs> I tell you like Rob Parsons said, if I'm wrong when we, going up in this, when, we, when we get raptured on the way up, I'm going to say, my bad. <laughs> we still made it. When Jesus left the bride on the earth, she was moving in apostolic power, bringing cultural transformation. They wasn't a sick or feeble one among them. They were healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, planting churches, changing, changing society. Amen. After 300 years into it, we down to nothing. The only message that we didn't lose throughout the dark ages was the message of salvation. Which is what? But we've had to start gaining a lot of ground. And each move that God brought through the earth was to bring another restorational truth that had been lost in the church. And now we've been in this restorational deal where God's restoring the church and the earth. And where we're headed is we're going to look just like the Christ man because that's what Ephesians said. We'll be without one, we'll be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. The body will be in equal proportion to the head. Come on, somebody. The bride will make herself ready. So it tells me that, listen, let's break this down in John 5. It had five porticos. That is the fivefold ministry of God. These are porches and coverings to the body of Christ. 
Right? These are not gifts of men. These are gifts of Christ. Can y'all stay with me? Right here. Look at your neighbor. Say, if you need to get a cracker, get a cracker right here. But come on, stay with us. <laughs> I fit in order two cow shockers and we have it on each row. Somebody fall asleep, we're going to hit you with it. You got me? <laughs> so they got the fivefold going. The sick are getting healed occasionally. Every once in a while, something's happening. But there's not a continual flow of it. This is where the church has been. We've got the church and now the church is realizing, hey, there's more than an evangelist. There's more than a pastor. There's more than a teacher. There's these other two gifts that we have rejected. And according to Corinthians 11, the, Jesus said, well, because you've not, you've not discerned my body correctly, there's many sick and feeble. The church has been feeble because she hadn't had all five of them working in tandem. Now these gifts were not meant to work out here on their own. They're meant to work as one unit. They're meant to create synergy. And Junior's already, you know, if you put one horse, he can, put a ho he can pull a horse's strength. But if you put two horses together, it's like having three horses. And so we see this all throughout the Bible. When David goes to take out a giant, he grabs five smooth stones. This is mature five-fold gifting at work, taking out giants. When Elijah seen the glory come in his servant, he saw the cloud the size of a man's hand. When Moses cried out, says, show me your glory, in Exodus 33, he places the hand over him and shows him his goodness. But all throughout John 5, the focus was if you come here to the place of the stirring, your life can be changed, which is where we've lived at. Oh, if you just come to Cornerstone, I know God can do something. If you'll just get to that conference, something will change in your life. Although that's true, that is, that's true and it's grand, but God has a better way and a more excellent way. And he's slowly but surely shifting us into this new age. Now think about it. This pool is where we tried to get them to. And now the job is when we get them to the pool is trying to keep them in the pool. Another task at hand. It's been in the summer. Me as a shepherd, I'm trying to wonder where the sheep's at. They jumped out of the pool and went to the beach. Got from the beach, got back to the pool, then went back to the beach. But what has to happen in your mindset is that you're not limited to the pool. That you live under an open heaven, a living fountain. You're connected to the head, friend. We don't come to church, we are the church. And when I travel outside the walls of this building, I got every bit of equipment I got standing in here holding this microphone as I do got standing at Dairy Queen waiting on a blizzard to come over the counter. Come on, somebody. This is what's got to change in the church. Amen. I promise you this. You take this message I'm preaching today, you take it to every church, it's applied, within six months we'll see this city flipped upside down. 
Because we won't have a church out there pointing fingers saying what's wrong. We're going to have a church. Listen, we got to quit pointing the finger saying what's wrong. We got. Do we have the wisdom of God or do we not? Come on, somebody. I thought the Bible says we have the manifold wisdom of God. The multifaceted, multicolored, come on, coat that Joseph put, that was put on Joseph. That's what's on us. Amen. And what's on you, you're going to change. What is inside of you cultivated, you'll make a difference wherever you're at. That's why you could be Joseph and be thrown into prison and you go turn that prison into a palace because that's what's on the inside of you. Freedom, deliverance, and glory. So we're shifting. We're going to move from this pool. If I could just, you know, if you could just come to Cornerstone. If you can make it to Cornerstone, I know that healing you need. I, I believe when Matt gets up there and when everybody finally wakes up at 1040 and gets here, I believe that God can touch your life. It's the mindset. Get to the pool. And what we, you know what we do? We sit and we camp around the pool waiting for the next time. Oh, I remember when Brother Junior got it. You remember when Brother Junior got it about eight years ago? It's a matter of time. No, the mind shift's got to change. What was available for Junior eight years ago is available every day of our lives. Come on, somebody. It's available at 9 o'clock. It's available at 10 o'clock. It's available Tuesday. It's available Sunday. It's available Thursday, Friday night. Come on, somebody. On vacation in Destin, in Panama. It's not limited. It is available to us. Now, we shift from this focus that we realize we're not going to church, but we are the church. And I realize when I get to church, I'm not waiting on my fat, bald-headed preacher to make me feel good. But I realize he's actually going to give me something that's going to change my life and that it can make an impact in the society which I've been called to. My job is not necessarily to go out and change this city. My job is to change you. Hello. My job is to take and give you the tools and the equipment that you need to go out and do war with. And as kings, you're to go out and you're to bring the spoil back to the priest and say, my God, we had a good week. Moving right along. We about to get there. I'm getting hungry, so we about to get there. I know that. So we get this thing. They'll realize a pool. A pool is not a movement, it's, it's at a place. So what we got to get is we got to get to this Ezekiel 47 called the river. And in this river, there's a movement that starts inside the temple. And then it goes outside of the temple. Now check this out in Ezekiel's vision, in Ezekiel 47 verses 1 through 12. And the further that the river goes, the deeper that this river gets. What is this? This is... <laughs> This is Revelation 5, 10, kings and priests realizing what they're called to. If it ain't 5 and 10, don't hold me to it. It's somewhere wrong there, ain't it? It's in the book. God, don't take Terry out for laughing. No, I'm playing. Cut up. <laughs> Listen, this is a river. Now, this is, not, this is not a place. This is a movement. This is a, a literal movement that has begun in the house of God that has went outside the walls of the church that has traveled to the low-lying places of community and it says wherever this river goes, there shall be life. Amen. That means it flows right out of the house of God, flows right into crack alley and there's life. 
That means it flows right out the walls of the church, flows right down to Piggly Wiggly to the cripple sitting there in the, in the wheelchair. It flows and it brings life. This is a people that is equipped with the gospel of the kingdom that goes outside the walls of the church that realize that I got a job. Hey, this ain't my job. This is my purpose in life. Come on. That means that even if I'm a carpenter, I realize, listen, I'm in the army of God. I may be swinging, I may be swinging a framing hammer, but I got a job to do. I'm not here working for bass construction. I'm working for the king of kings. Come on, somebody. He just happens to be the man that's employed me right now. And I'm here to bring a difference and an influence wherever I'm at. Now think about it. If the church started getting this revelation, And become an apostolic people. You know what it means? The apostolic means sit here and get fat. How many believe that's it? A. B. Get wealthy. C. Means sent one. That's what it means. It's also the word used for missionary. But let me tell you what the word apostolic means. It means to be sent with a divine purpose. To represent and to create from what you've been sent from. Jesus said we are ambassadors. You know when I, I, when I got off the plane in Bombay, India, I looked over and saw the U.S. Embassy. It didn't look like India. It looked like the United States. Why? Because we wasn't over there to represent India. We was over there to represent the United States. Well, I, I want to preach right here. See, the church, the reason why we can't bring much influence because we, like we look just like the world. Come on, somebody. We got we to gotta change our lifestyle. Come on now to, to the place where we're living that we've been called to. We're here to bring influence. We've been sent by the king. Come on, somebody, as ambassadors. That means I got all the resources of heaven. I ain't bankrupt. Come on, somebody. The Bible said, let the poor say I'm rich. The Bible said, let the weak say I'm strong. Come on, somebody. Everything we need. Yes. We're sent ones. Now, when Jesus, where did this term apostle even come from? And I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Put your seatbelts on. We're fixing clothes here in a minute. That... We didn't see the word apostle in the Old Testament. And the reason why we didn't, because it wasn't even created yet. But the Greeks is the one that created it. And it's what, how many knows that when Alexander the Great and the Roman Empire army, they were going conquering the land, right? That's the whole deal when Jesus showed up. That's all they want to do. When are you going to get us out from under this Roman? When are you going to deliver us from Rome? He come far more to deliver you from Rome, friend. Come on, somebody. I come to set you free. And so as they were going out conquering land, as they were going out conquering land, they realized that we got all this land conquered. But heck, we ain't changed nothing. They still talking the way they talked before we got them conquered. They still teaching the same thing. So if we're going to change society... We got to do. We got to bring more than just a hamburger and a hot dog, and a gospel track. We got to start sending out educators. We got to send out men that can transform the culture in which they're at. 
Because if I don't change the way they think, they're going to build what we just delivered them from. How many has ever seen on the E-Channel the curse of the lottery? Somebody win $300 million and it broke. Why? Boy, I'm, I'm, you know what that tells me, Terry? Making more money is not my answer. It's learning how to apply what I have been given. And if the whole deal, they, they ripped Ben Carson up on, 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 I'm back into politics right now. Forgive me right here. God is still anointing. They, they, they tear him up because he says systemic poverty is not a disease, but it's a mindset. He said it exactly right. Come on, somebody. Because if you want to change your life, you got to change the way you think. You're never going to change until you change the way you think. You can't lose weight by hate being fat. I've tried it. <laughs> You're not going to lose weight by, th- by listen, this is how you hate being fat, going on a diet. And this is the whole focus of the diet. I will not call Carter's today. I'm not going to do it. 11 o'clock, I will not. Devil, you a lie. You're an absolute lie. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I will not call Carter's today about that chicken. By nightfall, you've called Carter's because the focus has been Carter's the whole day. That's the same way with sin. If you focus on King Jesus, sin will be like a third shoe. When you take your eyes off of him, that's when we mess up. We got to change the way they think. We've got to we've got to come in and educate, totally set up society the way we do business. So he called these people apostles. So Jesus in Matthew ten, let's go to Luke chapter ten. It does it better. It says he's going to send out seventy. And so as he brings his disciples in, why didn't he call them priests? They knew what a priest was. Why didn't he call them prophets? They knew what the prophets was. Jesus pulls them in and says, you know what? I'm going to call you apostles. Do you see what Alexander the Great is doing, how he's conquering folk? And now he's not only conquering it, but now he's changing the culture in which he's doing. That's the same thing I want you to do with my kingdom. Now he sends them out and he says, I've given you power and authority over unclean spirits. Cast them out. Heal the sick, raise the dead, preach the gospel of the kingdom. Freely you have received, freely give. My God, I'm trying to help us. Listen, the things that I'm crying out on the altar said, God, would you just do this? God is saying, church, will you rise up and take your place and do what I've already told you to do and walk in the authority and the power that I've already given you? Sitting down with the mayor. Conversation a couple weeks ago. We were talking about visionaries. I was talking about baseball and youth athletics and all that in this community. We're talking about leaders and vision. What's got to happen? Somebody's got to bring influence. Now, I'm not here to take over. And you know what? I'm here to serve you. I'm not here to invite you to church or get you to pray the prayer out of Romans chapter 10. I'm just here to take what's on my life and let it get close to you. Till you begin to see. Till you begin to see not only your department heads, you begin to see your city. 
Imagine if we had people in office and county that saw beyond the generation they were serving and realized the decision they were making. They weren't just making for their grandkids. They was making for their grandkids' grandkids. How will we begin to change? How will we begin to make decisions differently? Jesus said, you are my apostles. Go out and get it done. Change. Influence. Change the culture. I'm fitting to mess you up. How many disciples, how many nations are we discipling right now? Zero. As a church, Christians. Muslims are discipling five. You don't take your place, they will. It's quiet. They bringing their culture right on up in here and making us obey it. When is the church going to take our place? Why is it quiet in here? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. When are we going to take our place? They take, they looking in the eyes of their children. You're going to change the world. You're going to change the world. You're going to bring influence. You're going to change the world. It's time we get in the face of our kids and say, listen, I want to tell you whose house you are. You're the house of Jason and them that have turned the world upside down has come here also. That's what lineage we are. We're here to bring a cultural change and influence. And I want to tell you what I believe. If we're ever going to see sparks fly, we've got to get it in intercession. Somebody's got to start sparking it in the carpet. I'll be the first one to say this morning, I've got to repent for having little faith. I've had brief faith. But I swear, I, I mean, you say, well, you shouldn't swear. I'm just telling you, the last year had been, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just seem like I can't go three days without fighting the hordes of hell. But what i got to do, I told Kevin another, I said, we're in a season where we got to trust God. You know, the Bible says this. The Bible says this. That he's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You know what a lamp is? A lamp, you can't see very far at all with a lamp. Right around you. That's the season you got to trust him for the next step. In that season, he's not trying to tell you to drive 60 mile an hour. He's telling you to walk close right here. Just stay right here with me. Just take the lamp and just bend it around and take the step I tell you to step. And if we'll be faithful with the lamp, he'll cut the light on. And when the light comes on, you can drive 70 and 80 mile an hour. Come on, somebody. God, this is good right here. You ain't got this on. You ain't got this watching Joel this morning. Come on, somebody. We're in a season where we've had to cut the lamp on. We couldn't tell where to move or whatever, but I'm telling you, we're entering to a season where the light is coming. Come on, somebody. Arise and shine for thy light has come and God is still in the business of raising up an apostolic church. That's our call. Now I'm almost done. Can you give me five? Grant me five right here, okay? I'm gonna give it to you free. I'm preaching overtime right here. They don't pay me for it. Listen. Listen. So I thought about this. In the apostolic, you know what the apostolic is? It's the dirt work. It's the dirt work. It's... it's that's why Paul said we're the scum of the earth, man. We're despised a bunch of people. We stay down here in the dirt. We ain't the ones getting to stand up at the crow's nest. We're down here on the bottom. And it takes a big knife to your throat to stay on the bottom. 
Don't it, don't it take, don't it take the knife to your throat that you got to cut your own throat so the next man can have success. But God, know we know this deep inside. Whatever, whatever you make happen for somebody else, God will make happen for you. Come on, somebody. And the apostolic is all about family. It's all about, it's the whole foundation of it. It's about fathers and sons. But what we've not been to the place to where the father can actually live with the knife to his throat and allow the son to have success. Come on, somebody. It's the same Jesus at the height of his ministry, at the height, peeled it all the way back and said, what you see me do, sons, boys, now you're going to do greater than me. You're going to blow me clean out the water because I'm going to the Father. And what you see me work with on the earth, I'm about to send it on you in the upper room. And when them cloven tongues of fire hit your life, your life's going to be changed. Peter, when you can't even stand up in front of a teenage girl and tell her you know me, you're going to stand up after that cloven tongue of fire gets on your life, you're going to look at 3,000 and tell over 3,000 say we're not drunk as you suppose but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel now it's a dirt work in the dirt work means you have to invest in the dirt I don't know what time it is but I'm not done can you, you, you stay with me if you got to go you go that, you don't offend me none a bit I'll just know where you stand come on someone so I told Catherine this Listen, I told Catherine this. I remember when we said yes, we would come to this church. Catherine looked at me and said, praise God. She said, I'm, glad. She said, I'm, I'm so glad. She said, what makes me happy? We're going to get to go to a place where we don't have to raise it up. Boy, had I have known. And did this what she said. She said, talk about the worship. We got Matt Thomas. I said yes, following day he resigns. I said, you know, we better think about going to Cornerstone. Did God say? See, this is what I talked about. This is what I told Stanton. We just got past the MLB draft, right? There was teams with millions of dollars. Millions. I didn't stutter. I said millions. Didn't I say that clear? First round pick worth somewhere around $6 million or more, right? So if you make it in the first round, you got enough to buy you a nice fishing reel. What were they investing in? High school kids. College kids. They're investing in potential. They don't have it. But they've seen signs that point to this could be the next Hank Aaron. He's got a bat sound like Bo Jackson. They're investing in that potential. So let me tell you, there will always, and this is what I had to come to the term to realize, by no means do I think I'm above a rookie or anything, so don't take me, I, I know who I am in God, okay, so don't take me where I'm not going. I just, I ain't got, I, I probably got huggish train-ups on now, I just ain't got the full-blown diaper. But I'll tell you this, I felt like the Lord says, son, you will always have the rookies. Because that's the apostolic. And I can tell you this morning, just like the worship, you don't think I hear the, this is no knock to mat or whatever. You don't think I hear the miscues and all of that? You know the reason why it don't bother me? Because I see the potential. I've seen him complete the past like Drew Brees. Is he a Drew Brees? Nobody has the potential. And the apostolic is all about the groundwork, taking all these young sons 
and bringing them to a place to say, go fumble it or whatever, but we still believe in you. And it's about you paying the price so that they can make it. God, I'm trying to help us right here. I told Stanton the other night, I said, I mean, I'm, I'm probably never destined to be on the big stage, but I said, if you ever make, I watched this. I remember going to Dale Young's 50th birthday party at the Rainwater Center down there, and I watched Charles Blair get on that stage, and he told him, he looked at him, remember this junior? He said, every Sunday morning I watched you, and he said with tears, he said, I, he said and I was thankful unto God that I had that much to do with you getting there. Listen, this is the apostolic. It's not about Cornerstone getting there, but if the Seth Atkinson's go from this ground and he gets there. We all got there, friend. God, I'm trying to help us this morning. If the Statins go and preach, I went and preached glory to God. This is the apostolic. It's investing in the rookie. So what does that mean? That means we got to have perseverance as a church. We got to have long suffering. I'm not talking about putting up with crazy stuff. You understand what I'm saying. Let me tell you this about worship. Lyndall Cooley, how many know who Lyndall Cooley is? Said when they put the Brownsville music, the Brownsville music on CD, he went to Nashville, Tennessee, and the guy in Nashville said, do not put your name nowhere near this. This is how horrible this is. Said the musicians... He said, I'm, I, I would not touch. He said, I'm telling you, don't do this. He said, it's so bad. What, he, so Linda, this is what he said. He said, it's so bad. Let's put the worst songs on one album first so that nobody even buy the second album so it won't even go out. He was driving down. Headed, he was headed to catch his flight to go back to Pensacola. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, when do you decide what I use and what I don't use? He said, I told you to put it on a CD. You let me worry about the rest. Lyndall Cooley said, till this day, those two volumes are the number one bestseller that ever left that place. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be skillful, but I'm telling you there's something that goes above skill, and that is heart, friend. And that's what we cannot lose. It's all about what we said last Wednesday night. It's holy ground. It's, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you, God. Where it's all about you. It's not about the skill on that instrument, but it's about you. It's me bringing my handful of weeds to God and saying, this is all I got. I know probably to Nashville it sounds crummy, but it's the best I got. And I'm telling you right now, that's the very thing that God has chosen in this city with this church. He put us back here in the back area. So this is apostolic people. This is who we are. You may leave here today and say, ain't who I am. I bless you, go be who you are. But I'm telling you who I am. We invest in the rookies. We bring cultural transformation. We're here to serve a community, not for what we can get out of it, but what we can give it. We ain't looking for nothing in return. I ain't trying to pray no prayer with you. I'm not trying to bend your thumbs, tell you four car wreck stories to get here. I'm simply going, we're going to love them. We're going to bless them. We're going to pray in this community. We're going to see the people raised up. We're going to see downtown changed. People going to come through this area and they ain't going to see no, no, no trashy town. They're going to see something. Got about four people that believe. That's all right. God will raise up a people that will. Wow. 
We better shut it down. Father, help us to see. You know, you, let, let me say this. You know the problem with the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3. It says that they said that we're rich and clothed and we have no need of nothing. But Jesus said, I'm telling you right now, I challenge you to buy salve for your eyes, right? Because you are literally naked and poor. I want to see this city change. Listen. When I, when, so what do you, this is the style of message you hear. And so you don't hear me. You don't hear me preach about the loss. But you know what, Mr. Billy, this is what I'm going to do. I'm to stand up. Everybody stand up. But I can tell you right now, you know what I say? You my evangelist. You, you, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not laying nothing. Listen, next Sunday, next, next win, next Monday, next Monday, I got a God-called evangelist coming to this church. He don't got to get no car wreck story. Eddie Middleton, he got up here preaching on a stool, talking about tater heads. I'm thinking, man, they ain't no anointing nowhere near this place. You know what I'm saying? He, get, he gives all the call. I mean, people running down here to the front and getting saved before he can get finished. That's an evangelist. I'm telling you right here, listen to me right here. If you got people in your family that's lost, you want to have them here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. It's real simple. There's going to be a young 13-year-old boy preaching the gospel. You're going to see him preach. There's going to be a Volkswagen on this stage. It's going to be a deal called the love bug. You, you could set them up. I know this manipulation. I'm telling you, you got to use what you got to use sometime. It's like a lie. It's a present help at the time of need. No, I'm playing. Listen, listen. <laughs> you invite them, let them hear the gospel. The gospel of salvation will be presented every night. They will have an opportunity to, to, to uh, get saved. I need your support in this revival. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Not this week, but next week. It's all over our social media. If it's not, you let me know. and We'll get it there. I felt like today... Could, would you mind going up there to play right quick? Play something that's uh, you know, you know how we how we do it. <laughs> you know why the music's aggressive? Cause that's the call. This is an aggressive house. Do you believe that? It's like Cleve said. Ever since he was a little boy, you went to Cornerstone because you was looking for something different. And I tell you this, I intend for them to be able to find the different. If they're looking for the more, I intend to have the more on the table. There'll be more than one choice of meat on this buffet. But I feel like, I feel like that God is really aligning us up to, and, and Herbie admonishing us prophetically this morning. The advancement we're looking for is here. It's here. It's here. It's here. When apostolic house, a Barnabas anointing, son of encouragement. First time I ever saw Dale Young, I was in Alma, Georgia. I was in a Methodist church. 
He was on one side of the church. He was in the middle. Danny Murphy was on one side. And Steve Batts was on the other side. Do you remember that? Remember that? I walked up to that line. Walked right up to Danny. Never seen him. He never seen me. He said, for the Lord says, son, there's a Barnabas anointing upon your life. And you are, be, you are to be the son of encouragement. I walked right down. And Dale, I remember Dale saying this. He said, we can't say nothing unless God cut the light on. I walked in front of him. I'm talking about, you remember that auditorium, right? So it wasn't like he was looking down there seeing what Danny was doing, was he? Walked in front of him, and he says, For thus saith the Lord, God says you're a Barnabas, and there's a Barnabas anointing upon your life, the son of encouragement. I go down the bats. He, he, he was a little more simpler than they was. He said, I just see that there's an encouraging anointing upon your life like Barnabas. What God was saying, listen, that's the call. That's the call that's on this house. We are to raise up. What did Barnabas do? He raised up Paul. And when Paul got upset with John Mark and sidelined him and said he's not profitable for the ministry, it was Barnabas that went out and got him and said, you know what? There's something in you, John Mark, that I'm not willing to let go. And he cultivated that. And later on, when Paul's writing to Timothy, he said, hey, you remember John Mark who I sidelined? Bring him with you when you bring the books. For I perceive that he is profitable for the ministry this is a this is a uh, this is a Gideon's army of 300 we may, we may never be destined to build the big sanctuaries but what if God chooses to use us to build big people who build big sanctuaries I listened to a message last week where they hired um, an analysis company to come in to do the statistics just on Bethel School of Ministry, just on their school, not their church, nothing, just the school. They said one in six find their mate at Bethel School of Super Ministry, uh, Supernatural School of Ministry, BSM. After five years, 93%, as I would have said, 93% was still married with the national average at 23%. One-on-one -on -one evangelism that is documented. One-on-one -on -one evangelism. The students have won 38,000 people to Christ. Through crusades that have been led by students, they have won over 3 million people to Christ. Over 200 churches have been planted. Over 500 are now governmental employees. This is the apostolic that God's creating in the earth. It's about raising them up. It's about bearing with the mistakes, having long suffering. Come on, somebody. And seeing the sons rise up to take their place and saying, go shake the world. So, Father, today I, I release, if it is in me, that Dale Young prophesied over my life and said there's an apostolic call and an apostolic authority on your life. God, I release it over these people today. And I commission them and I say, go take your world for Jesus Christ. God raised businessmen in this room that will bring influence for the kingdom of God. Father, I pray young Daniels and Josephs be risen up in this house. I thank you for missionaries in this house. I thank you for prophets in this house, evangelists in in this house pastors in this house and father we pray right now that you would release anointing right now come on touch your neighbor come on touch your neighbor press into it that you would release the anointing right now 
to take possession of your land. I remind you like Joshua, everywhere your feet shall trod, that shall be your land. I, I just release breakthrough on your jobs right now in the name of Jesus. I release the prophetic mantle upon your life in the name of Jesus that when you go on your job, you'll begin to prophesy. You'll begin to tell the secrets of men's heart. You'll begin to call them into their destinies like your co-workers, like where, where Saul went out looking for donkeys, but he found destiny. I release that over your life. Father, I say give us a great harvest of souls in this in the next coming weeks, God. Cut the light on that we may run with momentum, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, release it. Release it right now. Father, we release the anointings of dreams right now. Some, let me tell you let me tell you something. I don't care. I don't care how many numbers are in this room. I don't care what. Listen, I know. Listen, according to Joel 2.28 and Acts 2.17, which is the same verse, it says that in the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Do you know why I know there's an outpouring of God in this house? Your old men are dreaming dreams. You know what that means? That means that the old, the old men that dream will dream again. Look at Steve. Look at Herbie and tell me that the old men are not dreaming again. Come on, somebody. Look at Dennis. Tell me they're not dreaming again. Come on, somebody. Your young men is the Stans, the Gavins, the Matts, the Dusties, the Johns. We're full of vision. Come on, somebody. God is pouring himself out in this community. The call of God has never changed on this church. Come on, somebody. It is still there. We're to be an apostolic people that walk with apostolic authority. Come on, somebody. That bring signs, wonders, and miracles. The examples of the kingdom, the gospel to be preached, not only in word, but in deed and in power. God, I bless your people today. I bless your people today. I bless your people today. Father, let us take it, God. Let us take it, God. I speak increase upon your business right now in the name of Jesus. I speak increase upon your business right now in the name of Jesus. I say stretch to the east, to the west, the north, and the south. May God bring increase. May God use you as a king to bring influence in the name of Jesus. God, I feel you, Jesus. Now, Lord, we receive it today. We receive it today. God, help us to awaken. I have preached my guts out in this place, God. Help us, God, to get to that place. In the name of Jesus, give us a grace to get there. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God, remind us of the... Remind us, God, right now. Let the vision grow strong. Let the vision be strong in us, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You're going to find your place on the wall, friend. I'm just telling you. I'm just prophesying over you. You're going to find your place on the wall in here. And the, the, those of you that say, well, where's my place? You're going to find your place. I prophesy that to you right now. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for a body of believers working in momentum and synergy together where each joint supplies. Bone is coming to bone, joint to joint. Father, in the, in the name of Jesus. I bless you today, friend. I bless you today. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Let's go out of this place knowing there's an assignment. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. We'll see you here Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.